Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies of 1999, skiing off the back of our pickup trucks here in 2018. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I am Phil Iskov. And today we are discussing a not funny movie. Yeah. Um, we are discussing a movie that uh, I think... A great movie, though. An incredible I think, movie, yeah. I would agree with that. A movie that Phil and I were worried about discussing. If we're well, putting, I mean, unsure how we were going to discuss it, I think is a, maybe a good way to put it. Yeah, we're put, just putting it all on the table. Yeah. Two straight, white, cisgendered guys mm-hmm. discussing <laughs> Boys Don't Cry seems like a minefield. And we didn't know how we were going to do it when we started the podcast. <laughs> um, and fortunately, we met Scott Turner Schofield. Who is our guest today? Hello, and um, Scott is, among other things, Scott is an actor. Scott is a speaker. Is a TED Talk. Scott um, is the first openly transgendered actor in daytime television history. He's starring in a movie. It's coming out later this year called The Conductor. Um, I think I'm hitting most things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, he made an he made an independent film. That has an incredible title, Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps, um, yep. which I think I need to read. My Seriously. wife would agree with that. And uh, kind of most critically, you're joining us today to talk about this movie um, from a perspective that, like, weirdly, you don't hear a lot. You hear a lot of yeah. straight white people, the majority of film critics, yeah. 
talking about um, movies and this movie, especially 19 years ago when this movie came out, it was obviously critically lauded. It's obviously a really important movie yeah. in the you know film history of America, but also kind of an American history, a big moment. Mm. Um, and a lightning rod then and seemingly now well, a little today. bit too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's... There's there's so much to talk about with yeah. Boys Don't Cry, but uh, but first, um, Scott, where were you in 1999? I was in college. I was in Atlanta, Georgia at Emory University, mm-hmm. and I was in a queer literature class, which included film, uh-huh. and uh, we were assigned to go see this movie. Hmm. In them, I had come out, so this was like the fall, early winter of that year, and I had come out to myself as transgender that summer. I had previously been identifying as a lesbian. Only because I didn't know that I could be trans. Interesting. And that summer I met a guy who was trans and it was like light bulb moment. Sure. And so the, first, you know, like the next thing that happens is I get assigned to go see this movie and I was not living in the country when this true story happened. So I didn't know Where that this live? was a true story. I was living in England. My okay. family's British. And um, so Brendan's story was new to you. Totally new to me. And it was one of those test screenings so there was a survey that came around afterwards and it said uh did knowing that this was a true story you know change the way that you related to the film and i just like i was already sort of traumatized because i had just seen someone like the second person in my life who was like me be brutally murdered and then i found out it's a true story yeah but then as i've found out about you know by talking to people about this film this is not um this was not an uncommon experience i mean Apparently that that's, uh, you know, just looking at some of the statistics, I was completely unaware of, I mean, not completely unaware of the hardships, but not as aware as I probably should have been. Um, I mean, some of the suicide statistics are just, I mean, for, for LGBTQ, it's, it's something between 10 and 15%, which is off is high. It's a, but for, but that's for, an epidemic, but for transgendered, it's as high as 42%. That's, that's when the national yeah. average is 4.6%. Yeah. Like, I as, mean, it's just, know, it's, it is a, it's a, yeah. it's a, a very, very sad thing. I mean, I think that the, the, and I obviously can't speak for Kenny, but for me watching the movie, one of the things that sort of hit me was, and it's, I think it's the, it's actually the scene when, uh, when she, sorry, when he has his period and I was just like, my God, I don't, I can't even comprehend the level of living with that type of a secret when you're, you're, when your body is defying you for lack of a better term and that it's make that it, that it makes you feel, you know, like you're breaking some sort of laws. Like I just, I can't, I can't even imagine. And I, I, I'm so thankful that you're here to, to, you know, explore that with us. Oh, thanks. You know, I mean, one of the things that's, that's also disturbing is, you know, it's May and we've lost eight people, trans people to suicide, not to suicide, rather to murder. Uh, eight people have been murdered. Um, all this of them year? so far this year. Uh, and we're on track. This is about what it is every year. Mm. Um, it's gotten higher since the sort of transgender tipping point in Hollywood. The visibility factor has, sure. mm-hmm. has kind of painted a target. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're on track for the same number every year that we that we tend to get, which is between 25 and 35 people are murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them, however, are not like Brandon. So Brandon was... Uh, you know, a white trans masculine person, right? Usually goes the other way. Usually goes the other way right. in all of the senses. So it's, it's most often uh, trans women of color who are really? murdered. Yeah. Now what they do have in common is poverty, right? right? So this is what we're seeing, you know, when you watch Boys Don't Cry, you realize like these are people, you know, she, the girlfriend is weighing spinach 
um, in a, you know, in a Nebraska, like rural Nebraska place. Right. So the inner city poverty and rural poverty do have some commonalities usually in violence. Right. Well, it certainly feels as though, you know, this film was, obviously this movie was lauded and praised by any number of critics, but there were some things that people did take issue with. And one of them was, you know, the depiction of Nebraska or sort of this Midwest sort of, you know, lower class kind of quality and what this movie was saying about those people. Um, doesn't say anything particularly positive about them. Um, but I, I, I do think that one of the things that I, that sort of stuck with me as well was there are several scenes in this movie you know, before it gets really dark, but where they really just kind of feel like kids, as we mentioned in the oh, intro, yeah. the, the I guess water skiing or whatever you would call it off the back of the pickup truck is just bored kids that are just rebellious and looking to do something and get drunk or get high or, you know, have sex or drag race, whatever it is. And, and that, I think that part of the film does exist and it's, it's very much there. It's just, the other things are so powerful well, one, that it gets lost in the message. One of the thing this one of the things this movie does that I was really struck watching it again, yeah, is deconstruct and undercut the classic American coming of age story. Yeah, this is this is very much like in its own way the tra- the same trajectory and structure of a Nicholas Sparks type movie, <laughs> except you can't yeah. enjoy it the mm-hmm. way you can enjoy that movie. Very true. The entirety of this movie. You're waiting for the, I mean, look, I've seen this movie before. I know it was going to happen. And obviously yeah. it's a true story, but, um, the entire movie you're waiting for that or the shoot to drop and there are hints throughout. So simple things that shouldn't, that, that would be nothing in another movie. Um, literally Brandon getting his stomach punched, yeah. you know, by yeah. Peter Sarsgaard's character by fun. It's like, Oh, if he hits the wrong part of the body, yeah. that could be the end of it. Yeah. Um, that there, there's this tension the whole time. Meanwhile, Kimberly Pierce, the director, I think is very successful in telling the romantic story. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a very, it, it's weirdly lush, right? Yeah. Like the, 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 it's very sweet it's, at times. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's yeah. beautifully shot at times. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. the breast look amazing, especially the night shots and the magic yeah. mm-hmm. hour shots. So I, I, I mean, I, I think this, I think it accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do mm-hmm. um, in so many ways. but. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, just to talk a little bit more about that tension that you were talking about, it's, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I was exhausted <laughs> by the end of mm-hmm. watching this movie. I knew the ending. Um, and yet, I, I mean, I, I know that Brandon is killed at the end of the movie. But I couldn't remember the circumstances exactly. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember how graphic it was. And I just, there was a lot of things I couldn't remember. So I was dreading that. I was watching this whole film thinking about how Brandon is playing with fire for basically 95% of this movie because he loves this girl. Um, well, mostly because, because he, he has no choice, right? I mean, Scott, well, you he can does speak have, to this. There's a couple plot moments where he could have That's not really what out. I mean, though. That's not a, there's no getting out is what I'm trying oh, to say, okay. right? So, like, if he leaves Chloe Sevigny's character, yeah. he goes somewhere else. There's somebody else that'll, yeah. Still going to be Brandon Tina, transgendered, yeah. female to female to male, and in 1999 with no money, yeah. in probably rural Nebraska, having to figure this all out. So yeah. well, it's, it's also sort of sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I I 
when he goes to jail, I was like, okay, maybe he's safe in jail. Like right? truthfully yeah. in my he head, on his own I thought in to myself, cell. maybe yeah. he's in a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's okay. And then that outs him yeah. to, to Lana. Uh, it's Lana, right? Lana. I think Lana. Lana. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of, it's just, it's, it's to your point, Kenny, at every turn, there is something that can backfire on him and can, can be a threat to his life in some form or another. Uh, and that tension that I felt through the whole film was, was exhausting. So here's what I want to ask you guys. I, so watching this film, I had seen this, I have seen this film before the last time I watched it to, to, for our conversation, uh-huh. but I kind of like blocked it out. Like I just didn't, you know, sure, sure, sure. It's, it's a really traumatic movie. I think I weirdly like watched it with a girlfriend, you know, like just, I mean, <laughs> okay. I just don't, sure. like, I want you to understand me. Right. Oh, wow. I like, but okay. it's like this kind of, I do, I want you to understand though. This is a really intense, uh, uh, yeah, just really intense way of, of talking about it. Yeah. Um, and of telling the story that this is like, this is like the worst it can get. Right. Um, there's still so much in there that I, that resonated with me as a trans man. Right. Mm-hmm. So a trans and, man, you date women, right. I mean, I date everybody, but well, <laughs> I'm married now. But yeah, I'm complicated. I didn't mean to put words in your mouth. Um, but you, you have dated women. You have yes, been in this Brandon Tina situation yeah. before. Well, I mean, right. So no, because when I did live, I did live in rural Texas for some time. My father lived there. And so I spent a lot of time there. Um, you know, when I was there, I was not identifying as trans. I didn't know what that was. And I was not out at all as, as being queer. Right. Um, I knew that that wasn't like a good spot for, for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, my dad lives in this one world. My mom lives in this other, like, you know, East coast, like upper middle-class world where the likelihood of something like that happening to me was, you know, simply because of all the other levels of privilege I had. Sure. Right. But there are still some really salient, uh, like resonant truths. And that's what I want to see about what you saw. Right. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I'm watching this and I'm like, yeah, Brandon, Brandon get like ends up in fall city. Right. And is there's that scene where, where he's about to get in the truck with the weird psycho trucker guy to go back to, mm-hmm, to Lincoln mm-hmm. and all the kids pile in the car and they're like, come on, Brandon, come on, you know, hang out with us. Don't mm-hmm. go back. Brandon is liked. And I can't, yeah. I can, you know, like I can't express to you the feeling for someone who grows up going, there's something about me that no one is ever going to love that everyone is going, you know, and I know that we all like, this is actually a human quality. Like, but, but when you're trans, it's played out for you everywhere. Like no one even loves you enough to call you by your real name or by the pronoun for yourself. Right. And you see, you know, all these murders and all this suicide, like all of this goes in. Right. Even if you don't see that, you know, by the way that our world is so strictly gendered, boys, bathrooms, girls, bathrooms, you know, boys were this, girls were this, boys don't cry, right? Like, right, like, you get this, it's a lot of noise that we probably, it's like white, it's like gender noise, I would call it, right? right. Like, like, you don't even hear it anymore, except when it's dissonant within yourself. And so, for him not to leave that that situation, even when Lana says, like, get out of here, like, let's leave tonight, let's go right now, you know? And, yeah. you know... What's one of the last things she says to him? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? By the way, after she calls 
And, I know. Right. So, I mean, there's, yeah, it's yeah. Lana's character is really interesting. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about the movie before we got on mic about how I said that I didn't, I watched the film prior to sort of reading any biological information, uh, biographical. Why are you saying biological? <laughs> I, I know the Christ. reason. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> this actually predates voice of Christ. Oh, okay, okay. Now uh, it's relevant. Now it's relevant. Now, he's now it's for you. Yeah, now, uh, any biographical information <laughs> on Brandon or, or Lana, uh, Lana, Lena. Lana. Lana? Lana. 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 Like Del Rey, but... Lana Del Rey, sure. Does that uh, help you? A little bit. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And her character in particular, I'm glad that I did that because I feel as though there's a little bit of creative license that Kimberly Pierce apparently has taken with that character, uh, with Lana's character. And I feel like at the end in particular, she's definitely kind of fighting either a desire to be with him or a desire to not be with him. Do you know what I, I yeah. mean? When he, when, when, yeah. when Brenda goes to her room and, and, and you can tell, like, he goes to kiss her and she turns away and, and sort of like, there's a push and pull going on that mm-hmm. even I don't think she's completely mm-hmm. understanding, which, which I imagine How is would she that, have the ability right. to talk about it right, or right, even right. think about it? How would she have the words? Right. You know, there was that, you know, so starting in the bathroom scene where, where, um, Lauder and, and Nissen, you know, yeah, yeah. hold him up and pull down his pants and make Lana yeah. look yeah. right. And she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to, like, what is that about? She doesn't want to, but she, that's even corroborated in the documentary. Yeah. Like she was sort of holding her hands over her face yeah. saying she didn't want to look. So what is that about? First of all, um, you know, until after he's outed in, you know, in the prison, in the jail, you know, the first thing she says is she kisses him, she pulls away and she goes, did you get your hair cut? Like, is there, there's something different about you. Right. And suddenly the switch has been flipped in her head. She, meanwhile, she's been in love and she's, you know, she's in that, mm-hmm. on that pink cloud or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. And though she's, she has no way of articulating it, right. It, it still comes out in these ways. Right. She, I, and, I think she's, I, I think personally her depiction in this movie is incredibly important for the audience yeah, absolutely. because it's helpful to see someone who represents our better angels, right? In 1999, there weren't a lot of people like that. And in fact, uh, you know, Scott, we've talked about how there weren't a lot of, there weren't virtually any uh, depictions of transgendered people, right? There weren't virtually any depictions of sympathetic straight people towards transgendered people. And I think most of the kind of people who would be interested in seeing this movie in their heads and hearts want to be somebody who's an ally, mm-hmm. want to be somebody mm-hmm. who can be sympathetic and be welcoming. And it's helpful. It's important to have somebody like that in the movie, even if Lana wasn't like that in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's, I think, oh, that, I, I, I think absolutely it, agree with mm-hmm. you. And I think it really helps. It's vital that, to the film working. If it, it's vital to the film working, it's yeah. also vital to, moving the needle a little bit on how sure. uh the straight community cisgender community interacts with trans people i think there's also you know so hillary swank and chloe um 70 were both nominated for academy awards hillary won chloe did not but uh who did she lose to she, she lost to angelina jolie in girl and drop of course 
Um, yeah, we'll have that conversation on the Girl Interrupted <laughs> episode. But I, I, I guess I can't stress enough that Hillary's performance doesn't work as well without Chloe's performance. And I think that Chloe has possibly the harder role. And I say in terms of navigating a slightly bumpier terrain. Like I think that 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 the writers do the best job that they can, but Chloe has to do a lot of kind of dodging and weaving in a lot of ways at the in at least in the third act of this movie that we have to buy. I don't really agree I'm but not, whatever. I mean you know, it, like, it, we can split hairs of I I don't mean to I yeah. I'm I'm saying that that these roles work in concert with one another and and they 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 help each other. I think Hillary makes her a performance potentially stronger and chloe does the same with and as an actor um do you know mm. i think you know hopefully you sort of see where i'm coming from yeah i mean i do it's just making me think and i don't know the answer to this right but is it this way of for instance i personally have been accused of of dating very feminine women as a way of augmenting my own masculinity mm. right and I'm like, look, I'm just attracted to who I'm attracted to. Sure, right? sure. Like, yeah. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm unconscious of this, right? And so I wonder. Kind of like how I try to date shorter women. <laughs> you right. taller. There you go. Yep. You know, like we all. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> You're married to three kids, right, Kenny? Yeah, I'm talking about when I date. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about my wife, no, I know, I know. who's taller I than I am when she's in heels, but um, I'm talking about all the women I date on the side. Yeah, of yeah course. absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, it is this. I, and so I wonder, it just makes me and, you know, the thing about this movie, I love these questions that it makes us all have. Right. And I love that there aren't really answers to it. Mm -hmm. So my question, based on what you just said, is like, well, is that true? Because you need her femininity to augment his masculinity. You know, when you talk sure. about it being a better performance, do you mean a better uh, performance? Masculinity? A harder performance. Just, I'm not sure it's a better. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, this is yeah, and it's like a, it's really just a, a, a question I don't have an answer to, but right. it's all there. What you go right. to a performance for, and I, I mean, I guess, I guess what I mean in a lot of ways is that that uh, Chloe pulls the movie's plot more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel as though she is kind of the the thing that that she's a lot of the momentum of the movie. Absolutely. Um. So, and that isn't necessarily the easiest roles to play because it requires a little bit more exposition. It requires a little bit more of sort of pulling narrative, which, you know, is, can sometimes be trickier. I'm not taking anything away from Hillary Swain's performance, which I think is absolutely masterful. Well, I'm, I'm merely just saying to, that to I think Chloe's Chloe didn't credit, get enough, maybe as much love as well, she Well, both of their credits. Yeah. There's no roadmap for either one of these, yes, mm -hmm. one of these roles. Yeah. So, absolutely. And these are two, I believe, Hillary Swank was 22. I would imagine Chloe Sevigny's right around that age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hillary um, Swank was 22. 22. Oh, and like crazy. super untested. We're talking, yeah. she did the, the next the Karate, Karate Kid, Kid and right. Beverly Hills 902. Yeah. So, I mean, Chloe yeah. Sevigny had done kids. She'd done a That's handful right. of things. She, did, she was yeah. a little more tested. She, she, and, she was a little bit more tested. But, um, but I mean, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, Let's talk. I'm just going to give a synopsis of the film, and then let's talk a little bit about the the biographical information for Brandon, just so that people have a little bit of a sense of because there's a lot of stuff that the movie doesn't cover. You know, we all we all met for coffee before we sat down to do this, and we we talked a little bit about how there, this is not an origin story movie. This is a movie of like we're Brandon is already you know uh, actualized, if you will. You know what I mean? And actually sort of understands. Uh, so. 
I think it's important for us to know a little bit of this backstory that isn't covered in the film that sort of comes into that comes into the film itself. But synopsis of the film is uh, a young female to male transgender Brandon Tina, played by Hilary Swank, leaves his hometown under threat when his ex-girlfriend's brother discovers that he's biologically female. Uh, resettling in the small town of, of Falls City, Nebraska, Brandon falls for Lana, Chloe Sevigny, uh, an aspiring singer, and begins to... <laughs> Sort of, and uh, and begins to plan for their future together. But when her ex conflict ex convict friends John, played by Peter Sarsgaard, and Tom, played by Brendan Sexton the third, learn Brendan's secrets, things change very quickly. Uh, so Brendan Tina was born Tina Renee Brandon on December twelfth, nineteen seventy two, uh, and died on uh, New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety three. Uh, he was an American trans man who was raped and murdered in Humboldt, Nebraska. Uh, I'm curious about this because this is something that I, there, a lot of people believe that Tina's murder, along with that of Matthew, Matthew Shepard, led to increased lobbying for eight crime laws in the United States. Do you feel as though that's a fair representation? Well, so first of all, let's stick with Brandon. Right? Sorry, okay. that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, and it's really every you go all over the place. So, so uh, you know, there there's a lot, and I think we can get into this about terminology and names and stuff. But sure. especially when we're talking about him, like it's super like respectful. It's just like really re- important to respect the name that you know he died under right brandon which is unfortunately not on his tombstone. right not on his tombstone if only it were um it really but that's the that's what it's like to have a family <laughs> when you're they trans let go of things i guess right yeah um and brandon's mother you know and so it is it's like who do you believe well let me tell you just so you know you believe the person that's who you believe it, it starts and ends. all you have yeah. to know believe the person yeah um Okay, so, you know, Brandon's murder was really, because of the way that it was reported, even, it was, you know, he was reported as a she under the name Tina Brandon. Like, there was not very much transness around his murder. It was not reported as a trans hate crime. You had a really great group of activists, um, among them a very important scholar named Kate Bornstein, uh, but also Ricky Wilkins, who started this organization called the Transsexual Menace. Um which was really just an activist group, you know? And mm-hmm. so they like showed up, they were at the courthouse with these big signs that said like, this was a transgender hate crime. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were really holding out, they were holding the space for who Brandon was by all, you know, Brandon checks every box that we have for being transgender, just because he may not have even known the word himself. Yeah. Right. Uh, he definitely didn't have access to any community around him that would be supportive, maybe a couple friends, right? But he wasn't like in San Francisco or New York or someplace where he could be seen and and know who he was, right? right? So even though he was even conflicted simply because he didn't have access to the education, right, or the words, right, um, he literally checks every box mm. of what what we would describe a trans person as. So I don't think... I'm doing him any disservice and I'm not pushing an agenda. I, you know, the fact is transgender people have existed across all time in every culture, mm-hmm. sure. you know, so, you know, we, we just called them different things then. And they had, you know, until the 1960s hormones and, and surgery weren't even that prevalent. And so, you know, people really just had their names and what clothes they wore yeah. and how they cut their hair, mm-hmm. you know, and they were definitely still trans, right? There's, well, like in the film early on, uh, I don't, I, and, and forgive me, is that her cousin, his cousin that he's staying with at the beginning? I can't remember who that person is. I, I don't know if they ever really explain they it. They don't explain it in the movie. He feels like a composite. Yeah. Um, 
But at one point he says, what about getting that surgery? Right. And Brandon says, you know, I, I would, but it costs it's so much expensive. money. Right. I, yeah. I can't afford it. I think it. that's the plan yes. one day. It feels that way too. You know, if it were possible. But even yeah. that was, you know, at that, at that time would be unimaginable for so many reasons. Yeah. So this is, this is, ni- this is what, 1992, 93 mm-hmm. is what I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and those surgeries were just not being they, done then? They, well, yes and no. Okay. But yeah, they were incredibly expensive back then, still are. Uh, and also not like... Well, okay, so they are happening. Um, so, first of all, f- um, male to female gender affirmation surgery, which is what we call it. We don't call it sex changes. Sex mm-hmm. changes like makes you think of like Jiffy Lube, right? Yeah. Like you just like it roll feels, through yeah, and like yeah. bing, right? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. So but it's not a, reassignment. Not even right. So the whole thing we're trying to move away from the talk about sex, right? Because mm-hmm. trans people are more than our genitals, right? Mm-hmm. Like True. it's it's about. It's about affirming your gender through your body, mm-hmm. which is your sex, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea that like you could change your sex, like that might not, you know, that that has nothing to do with your gender. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're and being transgender, that's really what it's about. That you're, you know. So so for female to male guys, um, trans guys, the surgery did exist. Uh it did go a long way to help um the feeling of like when you look down between your legs and like the wrong thing is there, right? What we call uh, dysphoria, gender dysphoria. Um, you know, it did go a long way to help that. Uh, but again, the, it was, I mean, it's a series of surgeries. It's very expensive. It's very hard on the body. And it's not like you just like suddenly have like a penis transplant. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not yeah. like, I think people get this idea that like, you know, you just go from one thing to the other and it's really simple. Yeah. But what is important about the fact that they had that conversation, this is after Brandon got put in uh, a mental hospital after yeah, a suicide it, attempt, I believe. Nine, it was a January of 92, it seems he underwent psychiatric evaluation. Right. And so this is where he gets diagnosed with gender identity disorder, yeah. which is, again, one of the things, first of all, it's not called gender di- identity disorder anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody's gender identity is disordered. I was going to mm-hmm. say, Some people have, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's like homosexuality was was a disorder until 1972 right, right. and there were enough gay doctors to change that. Right? Yeah. So, so, uh, but you know, he, he gets, you know, offered resources, but his ability to achieve that, to have this, the family support, sure, to have sure. the money, any of that, right. Yeah. You know, w- was really difficult. So back to your question, <laughs> right. I just, you know, it's like, about sort of the increased lobbying for hate crimes and, and such like given that, Brandon's identity was put into such utter question by his family, by the people around him, by the journalists writing about it. When you read about this, like the old articles, yeah. it's like, can it's I say shit brutal. show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and also a real snapshot of th- that moment as it was then. And still we're so much better now, but, but still even as it is now for a lot of people. Yeah. And so, no, I don't think that Brandon's death, I think Matthew Shepard's death, because it was such a, you know, a big media thing. Yeah. Uh, and people got a lot more information about what it is to be gay in a small town, rural right. world. Right. Uh, people, because suddenly it was like, oh, it's not just like Jack on Will and Grace in New York. It's like, these are yeah. real people living Ma- real lives. Matthew right? Shepard was 98, right? So that yes. was the, the full five years after Brandon was killed. Yeah. Um, but, it, oh, you know, but a year prior to the release of this film. That, yeah. And now, we, yes. Yeah. So I do think that had it not been for Matthew Shepard's death, probably because um, uh, Hillary Swank says this in her 
Yeah. In her Oscar acceptance speech, Which she says I watched this both film. Of them yesterday, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like that this film couldn't have been made three years ago. And yeah. I do think because of Matthew Shepard's death, suddenly there was this like So there's a lantern you know, being hung yeah. on on this issue. And and rightfully so. Something interesting just to me is so this film was made in nineteen ninety nine. Yep. And up until I'm not even exaggerating, about eighteen months ago, this film would have been made the exact same way. With a cisgendered female actor, almost definitely, mm-hmm. um, possibly a male actor, mm-hmm. possibly a cisgender male actor, playing this role. Only now would you consider going to a trans actor, mm-hmm. right? Because you look at, there, there's, there's big examples. Eddie Redmayne mm-hmm. played a transgendered person. Jared Leto won an Oscar for playing a transgendered person. Yeah. This is in the last three years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I mentioned to, to Scott earlier before we got on mic about how um, I found this article online that, that I think did a, a really exemplary job of really kind of breaking down the two main issues. I, I think both of them are significantly problematic. One of them is a little bit more creative. The other is what we're talking about right now, which is the casting of somebody who was mm-hmm. not transgendered in the role, uh, which I completely understand why that is an issue. Um, and, and I, I do sort of wonder whether or not could they have in 99? And I asked that question in terms of whether or not the, the, the pool of actors, the, the, the situation being what it is. I don't know. I'm at, I, this so is sort of a yes, they could have okay. Silas Howard, who is now the executive producer on one of the executive producers on Pose. Uh, who's got uh, a movie? Oh, this is a Ryan Murphy show Ryan coming Mur- out that mm-hmm. has several trans actors coming out next five month. Five trans, trans actors, almost. Yeah. What, dude, that's like half the trans it's actors like the, on the television, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, what's, the, what's the number right now? I know. I know you. I mean, who can even count, right? Oh, but right. it's like it's you know it, it, people find different people in different like some of these actors I hadn't heard of before, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have put them on my list. Right. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. I meant trans actors on television. I didn't mean trans actors in Hollywood. Oh, you mean like just, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah. actually, just yeah. how I many are in, yeah, characters. sure. I mean, gosh, I, like, I know that we have sort of, we have like nine people on television right now. There's, I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of people, mm-hmm. but yes, this is like the, I mean, and this is a transgender story. This yeah. is, this is, there's so much that's great about Pose and it's really like a total game changer. I'm excited a to watch total it. total game changer. Um, but like, so Silas Howard, I actually auditioned for Silas Howard to play a trans role in a movie that he wrote and never ended up making about a real true story of a jazz musician named Billy Tipton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read about, Billy I read Tipton. about him too. Yeah. yeah. And so let's see, that was 10, 11 years ago. Uh, and Silas did audition for this role. So, you know, and in terms of being known in terms of like, like you said, Hillary Swank wasn't that well known. So it's not that boring, lazy thing that, studio execs say that we need a star. You you read the original director and casting for this film, right? That there was a moment when Diane Keaton wasn't going to direct it with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I mean, like, what is that movie? Well, so here's what's going (laughs) on, though. Here's a real thing. You can take this across all movies in Hollywood, okay? Every person who makes it in Hollywood 
steps on the back of someone who isn't able to make it in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. You play a person with a disability. You play a person who's gay. You play a person. Now you play a person who's trans, right? It is, it's the cakewalk to Oscar town. and, And in this article, they do talk about how, you know, the Oscars are well known for rewarding impressions. It is something that they do. Um, and, and they love seeing actors, quote unquote, pushing themselves into directions that they wouldn't necessarily. I mean, how many women have been given Academy Award nominations for playing prostitutes or for playing whatever, you know, something that is so, you know, shocking or whatever it is. Um, and then you've got, you know, the Truman Capote, Ray Charles, Harvey Milk. Like, it's just the amount of performances that have been rewarded for mimicking something else is problematic for sure. Um so I completely understand why this movie was sort of, you know, hit with that issue. This this movie was hit with it a little bit, but the people who were hitting it with this issue, their voices were so depressed by society. I didn't know about it until you told me well, at, I mean, to at, ta- co- at coffee. Well, because the, the Reed University situation that happened to Kimberly Pierce, I'm speaking to sort of more now. More than now. Back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I you know, I mean, there are a couple of things I want to unpack in terms of this this situation. You know, first, of course, they could have. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is kind of a bridge too far to ask them to have done that in 1999 um, as the first through the gate, especially considering all these other, you know, mimicry performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's I think there's that. You also had met, made the point when we got together that, uh, you know, I I blanch at the idea that person A can't play person B, right? Like I, I always have the idea that, um, you know, if you say that, that only, you know, um, for instance, only a white person can play Alexander Hamilton, you don't have, you don't have Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. But you made the point, I think this is the right point. Let's deal with that in 10 years. Once we've established Mm -hmm. that, there are that trans roles could be filled by trans people, disabled roles could be filled by disabled people, et cetera, et cetera, because we've never done that. Right. We've Once never we've, allowed, or however long it takes us to right. like even up the playing field. We've never right? allowed marginalized bit. people for some marginalized people play, you know, some, sure. some, but you still have, you saw situations where uh, Aladdin had a hard time casting and Mulan, Mulan and, mm-hmm. and rightfully so there's a lot of public pressure to get those castings. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fine. I do hope we do get to the point where uh, people can play all sorts of roles. And honestly, I think like... And me too. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I'm an actor. I was going to say, you're you know? you know, <laughs> like, I want to play yeah. all the roles. Yeah. Right, right. And I want to be... I want to be taken seriously when I walk in to play a cisgender role, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I want to be taken seriously as that, right? And just as much as I want to be taken seriously if I walk in and try to play the role of a school teacher or a, a psychopath or, you know, any yeah, of these right. other things, I don't want my gender identity and a transition that I made 20 years ago almost now mm-hmm. to, to like, and, but unfortunately what it does is I walk in and they go, oh, trans actor. It's like this, it's this big wall. It's like a hello, you know. Is, any, yeah. is this thing on? Is anybody, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, so can I ask you a question about that? Um, is that, is that on your resume? Is that, is that, do your agents tell them at, at yeah. ahead of time? Well, and then there's this how whole do you thing, feel about that? Yeah. you know, so then there's this whole thing. I mean, I have had a professional say to me, uh, you know, if you, cause there was a moment when I first moved out here where I was like, maybe I could just like change my name again and just be a dude. And cause you, you can't tell by looking at me, right? you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I was like, you know, 
maybe I could do that. And, and we call it going stealth, right? It's very hard to do because of the internet. And, you know, there's, it's just very, and also because it means you can't really have, as we see, and I mean, Brandon was stealth, right? He was unable to have truly intimate experiences in his life because there was always this panic about whether or not he was going to be found out. And then that was made real. Right. Um, so, but I had, I talked to someone in Hollywood about it and they were like, you know what, if you did that and they were a director, they're like, if you did this in my movie, I would have you blacklisted in Hollywood because then people will be watching something that I didn't intend. Mm. And I was like, but you can't tell, like, I'm a guy, like you can't, well, still you would be putting something on my art and without my permission. And that's not okay. I've had another, perf- I've had someone that, else. That person, in my opinion, is a, a bad director. A fucking monster. No, it's a bad, I mean, yes, a monster, but, but also a bad director because, because it has, art ha- has nothing to do with, with what you bring to the table outside of your abilities as an actor. Once you're on screen, you're that character and it's yeah. the director's job to make you fit into the movie he or she is making. So that, that, bo- that bothers me as an artist, but go yeah, ahead. Right? <laughs> I had another person say to me, if we can't send you out for uh, romantic male roles, because you will put the sexuality of the actress in question. Jeez. And I was like, so wait, the fact that I've done all of this with my life, like I've worked harder for the M on my driver's license than you ever will. And yet you're still saying yeah. everybody still thinks I'm a chick. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing was like, this again was a professional and I have to like sit there and just like take it because it's their rules. Yeah. Right. Is there's nothing I can do about that. And this is something that, you know, trans people in Hollywood, face all the time why some like why i say in my bio i'm the first openly trans person in daytime television because i guarantee you there's been others Mm -hmm. but they just couldn't tell anybody right because they built their livelihood around and they live with this deep fear of being found out and hopefully that will never turn out the way it did for brandon but this is this is a common transgender story this is something that you know and the thing is then people accuse us of lying right and we talk about this like secret and all these things and it's like actually for transgender people First of all, coming out is different. Right. When I come out to you, when I, like, I do this professionally, I, I want to have the conversation and make it known. So I'm always out about being trans, but I do always worry that that makes everybody around me think of me as less of a man. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like undercutting yeah. my own identity. Most trans people, we, we've worked really hard to live as the men or women or, or non-binary others that we are. Right. And we by not telling you something that happened in our past, we're not lying to you. We're living our truths now with you. You know, it's, it's, it's very clear to me that it's a double-edged sword, right? It's not the same as cisgendered gay person where, um, it helps to be, it helps to be open for other cisgendered gay people. In and out, another 1999 movie, right? <laughs> like, was it in and out of 99? Was it? Oh, was it? I thought it was. It was 97, I think. But that is kind of the, the idea of that movie. You know, it's, it's very prevalent in Milk. You know, there's the big mm-hmm. scene in Milk where they all have to call their parents, essentially, because when they know one of us, they like one of us, right? Mm-hmm. Or they like all of us, I think is the idea. Yeah. But it's not the same for transgendered people, it, obviously. You know, there, it, it does feel like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I really, you know... 
It's, it's, I mean, it's, it, it does, it, I mean, listen, I, I, when we had coffee, we talked about how Boys Don't Cry didn't launch a million movies about transgender people, people, whatever. Uh, And that's, and that's unfortunate. Well, it launched, it launched a lot of the same movies about transgender people, right? It it, it didn't didn't change, I don't think as many people's opinions maybe or or open people up as much as we would have liked in terms of sort of an acceptance level because it does feel as though we're seeing it now oh i think i i i'm not saying it knocked the doors open but i think it went from a zero level oh, acceptance sh- to a level of acceptance, acceptance that that, that I, I, a lot of people like you and i that's may that's not totally have had fair. before that's you know that's there true. was like yeah, the, the fact that i can say when people are like you're what and i can go boys don't cry but happier like like, that they go oh like suddenly there is a touchstone that everybody did see because of the and that's because of the awards it won like if this film hadn't won the awards that it did it would not have created the visibility that it did and i think we would have a lot of far darker opinion about it yeah for sure for sure i mean i think that um to just sort of pivot back to 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 brendan a little bit and to some sort of uh his backstory Mm. um i guess there was there was uh Tina at the time, because at this time, well, so was, we don't do that either. Oh, we don't do that either. Yeah, okay. so we have to respect the person, okay. like because the fact is, Brandon was Brandon his whole life, right? For a time, okay. he lived as Tina because his My family apologies. made him and whatever. No, no, how yeah. could you know this? I didn't, do you I know didn't, what I mean? I didn't know that. So also, uh, you know, when we talk about folks, uh, it, I know it's confusing because like gay and lesbian are like adjectives, mm-hmm. right? Uh, transgender, w- use it that way too. Not transgendered. Like, uh, like we don't say like Ellen is lesbian. Okay. Right. I, I know it's like a confusing thing too. So Brandon's a transgender man. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone like Candace Kane is a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I just, because of all this stuff, I, I mean, I wrote down all of the different ways that people described Brendan all the way from the beginning of the movie through there was a flub in the Oscar when, as Hillary Swank was walking up to the, to to get her Oscar, uh-huh. there was a whole flub in the Oscar announcement about it too. Right. Okay. So I think the first way, and it's not about being PC, it's just about like, let's all get on one page about talking. That's totally fair. Right? Uh, so Brandon and Tammy, his sister, I guess there was potential sexual abuse by their uncle when they were quite young, which the, the mother sort of pointed to as a reason why mm-hmm. Brandon was Brandon. I not that seems, true. That feels like a, obviously feels like a leap. Um, but it does feel like something that's worth mentioning just in terms of the, the backstory. Uh, another thing that I thought it was interesting too, was that Brendan enlisted in the United States army shortly after his 18th birthday and hoped to serve a tour of duty in operation desert shield. However, he failed the written entries exam because he listed his sex as male. Mm, wow. So you have to wonder what mm-hmm. his life might've been like, had that played out the way that it you know, differently. We talked a little bit, obviously, about the psychiatric evaluation that that uh, Brenda went under. Um, uh, apparently, they claimed that he was suffering from a severe sexual identity crisis that we sort of mentioned. Um, now, sort of into the actual kind of narrative of the of the movie, uh, December nineteenth, ninety three, Tina Brendan, my apologies, uh, was arrested for forging tech for forging checks, and uh, Lana uh, paid his bail with money obtained from the father. And because Brandon was in the female section of the jail, uh, Lana learned that he was transgendered. Um, and later Tilsdale questioned him about his gender. Tilsdale is Lana's, Lana's yes. last, yeah. last name. Mm-hmm. Sorry. 
he told her that he was a hermaphrodite mm-hmm. pursuing a sex change operation, and they continued dating. A lawsuit regarding the film's adaptation. Um, this was disputed by Lana. Lana was uh, basically, long story short, she claimed that once she found out that he was transgendered, she ended the relationship and that nothing sort of transpired past that point. Um, hard to say who to believe in this situation. Uh, you know, a lawsuit ultimately happened. She was paid an undisclosed sum of money by Fox Searchlight and it's sort of gone away. Well, I mean, that's, that's interesting in and of itself, right? So Absolutely. why was she paid money? Because she's claiming that she's been defamed. That's what she's claiming. And the court is yeah. agreeing with her that the mm-hmm. idea that she would be in a relationship with a trans man was defamatory. Which right. in and of itself is that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the courts co-sign this notion yeah. Yeah. that being in a relationship with a trans man is defamatory in and of it. Or I don't know if they, they did, but Fox was under the Enough impression that they, that they would. Right. Yeah. Um, there's also the possibility not to whatever, because who knows. But there is a possibility of, of Fox just wanting it to go away. On a certain level, no, which is the, and to not hurt the movie. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I'm saying they, they, they just want to. Yeah, but they're not going to settle. They're not going to settle. There's nothing there. I know. Right. I know. So I, I think that that speaks to. I think that speaks to where the country is and has been on trans issues. And I would argue right now. We're not in a great place, but most if you poll, for instance, transgender people in the military the country is in favor of it so by and large so we are in a pretty good place relative to where we have been sure in terms of the overall absolutely center of the country i I think there's i mean yes i fully fully agree i think that lana's not being i don't want to say she's being untruthful but i think that real real lana real lana Mm-hmm. Sorry, Lana. Uh, is just going to passive aggressively correct no, you like please. that? Just, why should this shouldn't be anything different? Well, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> it's Lana. Lana. Uh, there just seems to be a lot of sort of question marks in her story, not even just in terms of her relationship with Brandon, but in her involvement in the rape and potential murder, the rape and murder of Brandon. Um, Various people involved in the case, particularly Brandon's family, have alleged that Tillsdale was somehow involved with the murders, or at least had set them up in an act of vengeance. Uh, Perhaps the most notable admission about Tillsdale's involvement comes from Tom Nissen, who infamously confessed that Tillsdale was present at the time of the murders in the car and had even knocked on the door of the farmhouse where Brandon, Lambert, and Devine were staying. When nobody answered the door, Nissen alleges that Lauder broke in while Tilsdale waited in the vehicle while the murders were carried out. Um, Tilsdale denies this, and there's a lack of evidence meant that it could not be vigorously pursued uh, in the preceding court case, and the residing judge considered most of Nissen's claims as nothing more than her hearsay. So, I, I'm not, listen, this isn't, I'm not trying to, to, you know, defame anybody in this situation. It just feels like there are question marks here, and... I think that Boys Don't Cry tells a great story. I think it knows how to sort of figure out ways to navigate the landmines of what was going on with these people and does it in a really effective way. So as a movie, I think it does it very well. I understand that as a, it is not claiming to be a documentary. So on some level, I feel as though uh, Lana, 
Lana? Lana. God damn it. I got <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Lanta. Lana. Lana. It uh, seems to be grappling with a bunch of issues when it comes to her part in this story. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. Absolutely. And a lot of them have to do, you know, we don't necessarily have to ascribe like homophobia. Like, like, is she freaked out again? Like if, if, if she's dating Brandon, then does she, does her sexuality get put in question? Right. Right. Does she become then a lesbian because everybody thinks Brandon's really a girl. Right. That. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but the, the thing about that is not so much the like obvious homophobia in it. Mm -hmm. it, It's also the fact that, they just killed Brandon for being trans. What are they going to do to her? Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, did she take that settlement money, mm-hmm. you know, and go someplace where people weren't going to kill her for, you know, the, the end, one of the ending credits said like Lana, a few years later, Lana had a baby girl and came back to fall city to raise her. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, did you get out again? <laughs> you know, like, it's also a weird, I mean, that's a kind of a weird note to end the character on as well. I'm not, I'm not really sure well, what they're it saying. It sure makes her straight, doesn't it? I mean, well, it, it, it in does. some people's That's minds, true. but, I, but <laughs> right? I also felt like the, 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 the final image of the movie is Lana driving with the, you know, uh, the sort of streets kind of in the, in the windshield and with a look of hope on her face. And I, and I was like, oh, she, she got it of town and she hopefully got her shit together. And then she came back like it just it feels it feels regressive it feels like the character didn't actually make any progress yeah well and there was that moment too in the same scene where she said to brendan did you cut your hair there's something different about you right where he's getting all excited about them leaving Mm -hmm. and suddenly she's like she's pulling away in a way that i saw because i have family in rural texas right who don't leave and it's like why when there's no jobs there's no anything like why you could go somewhere you know you could come to la i i'll put you on my couch you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah. like i'll help you you know and they don't and that that kind of small town vacuum yeah you know um i i, I, I saw that happening there I, yeah i i, I please i want to kind of pivot from this or just uh, go just go from this i i want to talk about the intent of the film because I, I, I know you, you're friends with or you know Kimberly Pierce. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really critical to understanding her intention, to understanding why these decisions were made. Um, all the decisions to deviate from the real life story and all the decisions contextually about these characters. Um, and I, you know, just putting it out, I would contend that I think she had a real acute understanding of the moment and how important it was not so much to get this story right, but to present a story that will change minds and affect people. Um, and Scott, I was wondering what your opinions were of that, you know, knowing what you know about Kimberly Pearson, knowing what you, uh, or, you know, your takeaways from the movie in that respect. So I wasn't able to reach Kim. I did want to, and I was, but I think she's working probably. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, she's doing a lot of TV yeah. right now. Yeah, she's like she's, she's Sounds great. kicking ass, um, which is great, you know, and she's also like working in the Academy also like, you know, Kim's, Kim's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't get a call, um, but, uh, so I don't want to in any way speak for Kim. Um, I do know that this film, that the screenplay for this film was created well before yeah, this years. moment happened. Um, yeah, she had been working on this basically since 
Well, I think I think the the as you see when you watch the when you watch the documentary um and and the film together, you see that they kind of follow a similar trajectory. Um so I think that that was probably, you know, between the news stories and I believe Kim went to uh to Fall City or to Humboldt. Um that's something I remember her saying. So, you know, I know that she became aware of this when it happened uh, and was working on it well before. And again, like I said, I think there's a really interesting thing about the interplay between Matthew Shepard and the media thing that happened, the media moment that happened all around that and the ability for this film to get made. And then this film gets made and it creates visibility around transgender issues, which are different than lesbian and gay issues. Right. Um, So like there is like an interplay, but I don't know that it was, uh, activist and intent beyond the obvious activist intent of telling a trans person's story when they're no longer around to tell it. I don't think people really understood that this was different, right? No, people were super confused about every part of it. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, it's real that Brandon didn't have the words himself either. There's no way he could have. If you guys are guys sitting here in Los Angeles, California in 2018, and I'm like, it's transgender or not transgendered, right? Like even at that level, Mm -hmm. right? Like, or like, no, we don't talk about him as her before. Right. Like, right. And again, I'm not judging you for that, please. Like (laughs) that's not what's the point. Uh, Right. But you know, there was just this like utter lack of information. The internet was barely a thing really, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and like communities were so small, especially trans communities, you know, so small and loose knit at this time, there was a, there was a photocopied and mailed newsletter called FTM international made by one guy and some of his friends in San Francisco that if you could find, and then if you could have it, find it within yourself to like, send in a card asking for it with a self-addressed stamped envelope. You know what I mean? Like you would get some information, but that was how it was. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it it was just like such a different time with such different rules and everybody was confused and people want to critique the film for that. Like, you know, I heard people say things like, well, you know, it, it didn't go into him being trans enough and, you know, and I was like, but he didn't go into him being trans other than living it. Yeah. I I mean, I don't, I don't think, I even fully comprehend how hard it must have been to make this movie. I mean, to, to, to craft this film, to figure out a way to do justice to the various things that were obviously important for Kimberly to, to, to address, um, and also make a good movie. I mean, I, I know that that's, I, I don't mean to be glib, but that's a, that in itself is an incredibly difficult you know, it's, also make mm-hmm. a great movie. I, I, but I know, I know, I know, and I, I know you're saying yeah. the same. I know you're saying the same thing. But I kind of want to put a fine point on that. That yeah. that this would have been a good movie most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like most director, it, it it seems really difficult. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, it's a slam dunk, right? Mm-hmm. The the story, and you know, Scott, you had mentioned this when we got together. It's a really good point. Like transgender stories are are really interesting stories. Mm-hmm. They uh, start really interesting, start, right? Yeah. And then they keep. Yeah. It just gets deeper. Yeah, it's like movies are about great movies are about identity, and this is right there on the surface. You don't mm-hmm. have to fake it. So that that stuff's pretty pretty easy. The violence is pretty. Easy. If you can get people to do it, yeah. it's pretty easy, and it's really jarring, and it's real. So that in in in, in a sense. I think most directors could have made a good movie out of this. 
She made a great movie. To make a mm-hmm. great movie yeah. and hit all those moments. I agree. You know, I love mm-hmm. another movie I love that this reminded me of, maybe for, you know, all the wrong reasons, is Monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Monster's a great movie, and, and but it's not quite on this level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's also worth noting, you know, directed by a woman as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there is a, uh, the way this film navigates toxic masculinity, the way it just mm-hmm. navigates masculinity in general, yeah. I think is so adept and so, um, it's just gracefully dealt with. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence is what I'm getting at. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing that, that, you know, look at Catherine Bigelow or look at this film or look at monster. There, there is a, a current there of how women can explore masculinity in a far more nuanced and interesting way yeah. than men are capable of doing it. It seems, um, I'm going to talk a little bit just about the release of this film. Cause I feel like, you know, we should probably get into that at this point um so boys don't cry uh opened in limited release on october 8th 1999 uh in fact it opened at the new york film festival before appearing at various other film festivals it was distributed by fox searchlight pictures and the film obviously received a limited release uh in the united states broader after that on october 22nd uh, it performed well at the north american box office and it gained three times its budget um by may of 2000 um it's budget being two million dollars total yeah exactly <laughs> uh, you know i mean 11 million dollars on a two million dollar budget yeah you know it's, listen uh, it's, it's something but i i, I also yeah, think everyone who finances movie expected to lose their money oh so. for sure yeah. no one thought yeah. Ever, yeah. yeah i mean i think it's it's also interesting the fox searchlight of it all you know i was looking at fox searchlights releases up until that point and you know they were they were sort of figuring out what they were this was a this was a big movie for them. I think this is a movie that in the early days of that company really felt like they kind of planted a flag and said, like, we are going to do, we're going to take risks and we're going to take, talk about important things. And, and this is important to us. And I think that that's a worthy endeavor. And they've, and I did, and I do feel like they've continued that. How weird is it that the same guy who has given us Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly? I know it's gives so us weird. Boys don't cry. It's so weird. Gives us you know Shape, Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Fox. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fox Searchlight like movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's you crazy. Go to the Simpsons and yeah. all this stuff. Well, that, yeah. I mean, look at all the things that Weinstein put out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, also true. true. Also <laughs> very. very well, I mean, true. But, you know, just, they're also giving us Pose. Yeah, so at the I same know. time. They're giving us Pose, and they're giving us Hannity. Well, they've been, yeah, they've been funding. I mean, I don't want to say funding, but they've been giving Ryan Murphy money for years to be exploring any number of things, which I think is, is mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Which makes me think they care most about money. But um, Boys Don't Cry has 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was obviously a, hmm. a, a, a lauded film. Um, I'm, there fl- were, I'm floored that there's 12% who said... <laughs> I, I am. I, I, was, yeah. I went looking. When I saw 88%, I went looking yeah. for him. And uh, I don't know how you can't give this... Boom. There are two reviews that I highlighted that I think that two sort of things that I wanted to talk about. Janet Maslin from the New York Times had a phenomenal review where she said, Boys Don't Cry is never preachy or complacent in its depiction of its trapped small town characters, but it sees the difference between wallowing in nothingness, a favorite false city pastime, and rising magically out of the oblivion. As Brandon and Lana, Lana do so tenderly when they fall in love, movingly, uh, moving inexorably and with great innate suspense towards disaster it still savors the visions of transcendence and escape that brendan offered unlike most films about mind-numbing tragedy this one manages to be full of hope and i think that that is also you know to kimberly's credit of just making a film that is not just you know smothered in the sadness Mm -hmm. of this situation Scott, did you feel like this was full of hope (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I think it ends on a hopeful note. I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this guy. I don't. Um, okay. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. You know. Full maybe is a, is a dramatic way of putting it. Yeah. I thought that there, there was so much beauty in this movie. Mm-hmm. There was just as, do I think it's just as much or more or less? I'm not sure. There was a lot of beauty in this movie juxtaposed or balanced by the terror of this movie. And both of those emotions were things that when I watched it before I came to talk to you guys, I was really tuned in on mm-hmm. like the, I didn't maybe be, I, maybe I just blocked out so much of it from before, but you know, cause the emotion is so intense, but the terror of yeah. that, and that's something I want to get into, but let's keep going with this. And yeah, then we'll I, I, I do sort of, I think that, I mean, Roger Ebert had an interesting review as well. He, he loved the movie. Uh, he said, the whole story can be explained this way. Most everybody in it behaves exactly according to their natures. The first time I saw the movie, I was completely absorbed by the characters, the deception, the romance, the betrayal. Only later did I fully realize what a great film it is, a worthy companion to those other masterpieces on death, uh, of death on the prairie, Badlands, In Cold Blood. This could, uh, this could have been a cynical movie of the week, but instead it's a sad song about a free spirit who tried to fly a little too close to the flame. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, I think uh, we can add that to the Roger Ebert um, pantheon of problematic reviews. <laughs> um, he I, talks about uh, it as uh, Romeo and Juliet in the, I mean. Yeah. Oh, which it is. It is yeah. Romeo. The Romeo and Juliet comparison makes sense to me. It's the deception right. that I think. Well, that's, I is, mean, that's a, a, a poor choice of words, but I, I well, would say that in terms of how I, he sort I of. I think that was a mainstream idea. It still time. is. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It still is. And this is the thing. Well, so let's remember, Brandon didn't have any words to talk about his gender. And also most people don't have any words to talk about transgender people. Yeah. And so when it's, it's been set up for 20 years that that transgender people are at 20 years even before, yeah. uh, you know, boys don't cry. Yeah. Right. Where deception was the name of the game. Yeah. Right. And crying game is kind of like the most, sure. but it was happening before that too. And yeah. so like we, we have to get through so much. Like I have to constantly be educating people that like, this is not deception. This is people living their truth. And just because you don't understand it, and we don't want to talk about it doesn't mean, you know. Yeah. I, I want to just ask a question about Crying Green Move Fest. Uh, terrible, terrible. That's what I'm asking. Just, <laughs> I, I was literally going to say go. Yeah. I mean, like, just, yeah, yeah just, yeah. Awful. It, it seems wish incredi- it was not what people think. So when it they seems think incredibly us. destructive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the level, so well, Sam it's Fader. The use of, it's a, sorry to interrupt you, but it's the use of the, of the twist, the idea of right. transgender, which is something that we've seen a bunch of times in the crying game is maybe the worst culprit of, because it, that's all people talked about about that movie. It was like, oh my God, that's the problem. I'm assuming that exactly. that's one of the things that you're. Yeah. Well, that and the vomiting. So Sam Fader <laughs> is a, is a transgender director and documentarian sure. who's currently making what will be like the celluloid closet of trans film history. It's going to be amazing. And they were at, um, Outfest last year and Sam showed this, uh, like just this total rough cut, just like what is Outfest? Outfest is, um, this fantastic, uh, film festival, LGBTQ film festival. It happens here in uh, Hollywood in the middle of July. And uh, there's also a linked festival called New Fest that happens in New York in the fall. Um, So so Sam did this thing where it was just uh, like snippets of the reaction to trans, like finding out the trans reveal right next to each other, just to show like transgender representation, just a total rough cut. And it goes crying game. And then literally for about eight minutes, it's vomit. 
everybody started doing their like response to trans reveals as vomit. I'm assuming being one of those. Ace Ventura was one of them. Was like one of the worst among them. Naked Gun. It even went through like the Simpsons did one. Like. Like, I mean, it was just, but I'm talking eight minutes of like a 20 minute film of transgender representation through history was yeah. vomit yeah. because of that movie. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to highlight something a little bit that we said again, which is how this movie could have been a disaster. And I, and I say that just because of, to your point, Hollywood's inability to really understand the issue that they were about to, you know, make a film about, um, you know, for instance, as we, I think we talked about this at Coffee, the working title for this film was Take It Like a Man. <laughs> which, which is a bad is, title. Which is, a, right. I mean, yeah, a bunch of reasons. <laughs> like, but also just like that to me exemplifies how this could have gone wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel as though Hollywood could have dropped the ball on this. And it's to Kimberly Pierce's Who credit. Who saved it? I, someone <laughs> saved this movie. But right. it, it was a story. I mean, this documentary comes out in 98. And it's a documentary that people saw and it, it was a it, it was a thing that people wanted to explore and hollywood has tripped over itself many times in situations like this so again just to this movie's great and i'm i'm thrilled that this movie exists in the form that it is that it exists in um it's also interesting we've talked a lot about the turn of the millennium we've talked a lot about toxic masculinity masculinity in crisis we've got american beauty we've got fight club american psycho comes out in 2000 um this film you know, there's many others, you know, mm-hmm. being John Malkovich, there's lots oh, there's of so movies, many, so yeah. many mm-hmm. of them at this time. There's a very just interesting page that's turning in how Hollywood is examining masculinity, which I think is really interesting. Um, in terms of the, the making of this film, it was shot in a little over 30 days, which is also insane to think about. Um, a, a testament to everybody working at the top of their game in order to make a movie of this quality under the under that kind of duress, or at least under that time constraint. Um, I think it's interesting that that Hillary Swank was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. Um, I think that that was one of the things that she talked about. I mean, even in her in her acceptance speech, she talks about how, you know I was born in I mean I was raised in a trailer park and now she, I have an Academy a, she Award. Had a famously difficult mm-hmm. upbringing. Yeah. Yes, and I mean look at what she's done. I mean it's a, mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing. I think something else she said was like holding up the Oscar and saying, "Guess living out of our car was worth it, Mom." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, we'll be back momentarily after this. With over 60 film and television appearances, Julia Roberts is perhaps the most famous actress of our generation. You know you love her. We love her, too. And during this year's Hollywood Fringe Festival, you can get closer to everyone's favorite pretty woman, and you won't even need something ready to wear. This June, the Asylum Theater Company at the McAdam Place Theater proudly presents The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. The Complete Works of Julia Roberts follows Jessica, a young woman just trying to make it on her own in L.A. when her many life obstacles drop into her lap all at once. Jessica is surprised to find herself accepting guidance when the iconic roles of her favorite actress come to life in her living room. Take a journey with Jessica as all her and your favorite Julia Roberts moments come to life in song in this hilarious ode to America's Sweethearts. If you're in the Los Angeles area, head over to hollywoodfringe.org for tickets to see the runaway hit of the summer. And here is the hook. No need to be a money monster to purchase tickets because our listeners can use the exclusive code PODCAST99 for a special discount. That's discount code PODCAST99 when you purchase your tickets through hollywoodfringe.org and click on the show page, The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. Tickets are on sale now, so buy your tickets before they sell out, because it's no wonder this world premiere is giving audiences something to talk about.
Thank you so much for supporting Sounds the like show. Sounds like a very good idea. It's a fun show. Yeah. You should go and see it. You should get tickets. Also, just as a side note, it's a podcast with a capital P. So podcast 99 is the discount code. Podcast 99, capital P. So um, there you go. And it's 99 is in the number 99. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Check it out. It's a great show. Before we just go on, I just got it. You'd mentioned that you did a Twitter poll um, of, well, it's, I won't laugh when you hear what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's Twitter polls in general. Like, uh, actually, it was Facebook. Kind of but yes. Facebook about uh, people's reactions to this film. I wonder if you want to just read some of them or just. Sure. Yeah. So actually, some of them were really. There ended up. So I got 156 comments back wow. about this, which was so, so intense. Um, and it took a really long time to kind of, cause I wanted to be sure to write to everybody because it is traumatizing. Like I sure. wanted to be sure to be in conversation with people. Um, the, you know, one of the things that I, that I heard a lot of was people talking about, like, I knew I was trans and I stopped my process as a trans guy. Like I stopped transitioning and like went back because oh, wow. I, I was like so afraid. I heard that at least five times wow. from different that's trans really guys. Upsetting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I don't think that that's something like Kimberly intended or that anybody would have wanted from this, but it, it shows you that. See, the thing about trans representation, especially in Hollywood, is like, it's not really for us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if someone had been thinking like, what would it be like for this to be the first big movie that a trans guy ever sees about himself? You know, like I... I think they might've made another choice. Right. Um, but it is a testament to the power of this movie just to be, you know what I mean? Like I, I agree that that is not oh, the, yeah. the desired effect, but it is a testament to the fact that this movie is so effective at making you care about these people that it, it that it can, you know, absolutely. Such, I mean, have that kind it's of such an uh, interesting effect. point though, that it's not really for you. I mean, I have, I, no, I mean, obviously yeah. I'm looking at it from my, you know, my, my own privilege mm-hmm. and I've been, talking from that vantage point this entire movie about yeah. represent about the not about representation about the my representation in the movie being chloe seven sure. i hope sure not being one of the guys but that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there a movie that you um you could point to as a hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Affirmative portrayal of a trans... The trans experience. There's a great indie movie by Silas Howard actually called, and it was made a long time ago, um, called by hook or by crook. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that movie, that was the movie that lit butterflies all over me. It was a buddy movie about two trans guys. They were funny and quirky and 
going on this journey together that was just wacky and fun. And that was like life affirming, Mm -hmm. you know? And I want to mentioning Silas, like, so uh, we have a friend in common named uh, Lynn Breedlove. Uh, Silas was in a band with Lynn, uh, who sometimes goes by Linny too, um, uh, called Tribate, which is a kind of queer core uh, band in San Francisco um, for a long time. Uh, Linny wrote, uh, I saw it with pals who were queer, who were a queer slash trans couple, old friends of mine. The beloved of the trans guy screamed at the part when Brandon was murdered. But I just thought, well, yeah, bring the fucking details. This is what we live with every day. I wanted the cis straight audience to get the realities of our lives. And I feel like shit started to really change when that message went mainstream. Until then, trans lives and the violence we endured were secret. After that, we started dealing with transphobia as a society. Can't fight it if you can't name it. We went from remembrance days to visibility days. So many of us stand up, sign up to support each other, even though it's still scary. I like this road fine. It's lit. That's that seems like a, that's a that's a positive way of coming out of this, which is, I mean, that's great, right? You know, I I I want to talk a little bit about Hillary Swank, just because I think that she's an interesting case of, you know, she's I think she's a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but I think she's also not maybe what Hollywood or America. I don't know. She never became a movie star. And I don't know if that's a testament to the way that she is, what she embodies. But, you know, she's got two Academy Awards, as you mentioned before. Right. And I was like, like, what do you mean? What else she do you is... need? she got two Oscars. And that's fair. I mean, I get it. She just but doesn't just have paparazzi. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I, think, I think she's just an interesting career a little bit. And, and we don't need to go into a whole long thing about it. But it just felt like something that it was worth highlighting and just saying, like, it's she's amazing in this role. She embodies the character in every way, shape, or form. She's she's tremendous in it. And and I want to eat my words from our American Beauty podcast when I said that I thought that Annette Benning should have won for American Beauty. Having not reseen this film since '99, I mean, it, there's no question that Hilary Swank should have won for this role. She's absolutely amazing in it, and um, it is a a a, a performance filled with life and a, and and a yeah. love of life and just an excitement and and. You know, I think that she's just she's just tremendous in this movie Um, to prepare for the role. She lived as a man for several months and tried to sort of embody it in every way that she could. Um, She was paid three thousand dollars for this role, which I think is just, you know, amazing. And it was so low she couldn't even afford insurance, which I think is kind of amazing. I think uh, I I think the Hillary Swank conversation is an interesting one Mm -hmm. because so for so long. There was a stigma to playing gay, right? So you could play gay, but you know, some people wouldn't play gay. They'd be afraid that pigeonholed, right? Pigeonholed that, or they would, you know, be outed or something mm-hmm. like, or, or considered mm-hmm. as a gay person. You know, it took a long time for prominent straight actors to even have a gay kiss on screen. Um, Hillary Swank is the first prominent person to play trans. I think uh, that is the reason. That she hasn't had the movie star career. That's interesting. You, uh, you're speaking mm-hmm. of now. There's the other part of it, which is maybe she never would have even made it had she not played this role. Maybe we would never even know mm-hmm. her beyond the person who played the next Karate Kid. But mm-hmm. it's no coincidence that her second Oscar came for a somewhat masculine role, for as well. androgynous character. To she's, a certain she's playing a fighter, and she yeah. has you know she has lats upon yeah. lats, and um, you know she's they, great in that movie. She's a 
great actor. Yeah. She's a, she's a, she's a tremendous actor, but you know her from two roles, right? And maybe insomnia. I was literally just going to say that's the only other, because I was looking at her filmography last night. Maybe insomnia, but not so much. I mean, so, so basically there's now this, this thing where there's a role, there's a Hillary Swank role, which is essentially means a masculine role. Yep. Um, and that's not necessarily who she is. I think when you, you watch the Oscar speeches today, she's not a particularly masculine person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that, that that has clouded her opinion and her career, again, after having won these two Oscars. Her career has kind of suffered, I think, I, because I, of that. I agree with that 100%. So. It's, it's, she's, she's an interesting – it's an interesting – situation i guess i mean a predicament on some level to be sort of to be labeled as something i mean obviously this speaks to this whole podcast (laughs) but do you you know what i mean just that that hollywood as you said loves to pigeonhole people loves to say like this is your lane stay in your lane Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate that 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 tends to be the case um preconceived notions and all that stuff getting into the mixes is, is is it's a bummer. Well, they see you do one thing and they just want you to do it over and over and over again once you're kind of in that studio system. So, I mean, also, like, she played Amelia Earhart, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And it was like that. And apparently the movie flopped because I never saw it. I no never even bad. heard of it. No but then when I started it. looking, yeah. But I was again, like, it makes perfect sense. Right? You She's know, got the short hair, woman, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have a, the only parallel. I'm, like, racking my mind for a parallel. It's not a good parallel at all. But it does kind of remind me of it in its own weird way. It's Chris Tucker. Because Chris Tucker is expected okay. to do one thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Only one thing. Yeah. And when he deviated it, deviated from it in Silver Linings Playbook, pretty much ignored. Yep. You know, remember people yeah. said Chris Tucker might win and might get nominated for an Oscar in this movie. Like, this isn't my Chris Tucker. I so, also he I mean, a little forgettable in that movie. I don't mean to be like he's he's good in it. He's but like he's, he's not it's not the greatest it's not the greatest role. I'm not trying I'm to like, say yeah. he's, I'm not trying to say he's great. <laughs> like, all right, he was in that. But it's clear to me. Yeah. That by taking that role, yes, yes, yes. Chris Tucker had aspirations mm-hmm. aside. You know, look, very kind of Chris. T- Jamie Fox is a very similar actor. Jamie Fox was a in living co- in living color guy who was you know doing over the top characters, and then who happened to be incredibly yeah. talented, and then played Ray, mm-hmm. and now be, and in Collateral in the same year, now could do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no role that you wouldn't put Jamie Fox in. I think Chris Tucker probably had similar aspirations. Mm. And he's been pigeonholed as the fast talking, silly dancing guy, and that's kind of the end of that for him. So, yeah, best I could do. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I, I love the fact that we yeah. did it. That Chris so Tucker got talked about on our Boys Don't Cry so episode. Funny. Chris, Tucker gets, Chris Tucker has paid twenty million dollars to do one thing, yeah. and only that, one and only thing. that one thing. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about something that I think you alluded to earlier, which I think we can fold into this idea. Um, which is that article that I mentioned earlier had two things that it felt that the film didn't that, that that dinged the film a little bit. The first one being that they did not cast a transgender person in it. The second is that the whole movie is about a gruesome death and that it is sort of, a, it, it falls into Hollywood's love for issue pictures and a gruesome rape. And a gruesome rape. And a, and, and a, oh the, rape the, the rape scene just, is just absolutely, yeah. I, it's horrific. And actually, interestingly enough, um, one of the things that this film did have to deal with was the ratings board, the MPAA, right? which gave the film an NC-17 rating. Uh, and what was interesting is that the MPAA especially named the scene because of what we just mentioned, the, the scene where Brandon is raped, uh, and also the scene where he gives oral pleasure to Lana, Lana, whatever. 
<laughs> Sorry, Lana. Uh, and the, those are the reasons for the NC-17 rating. And what's interesting about are you, that are is... Are you reading Oral Pleasure off the screen? I am. Yeah. It doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like what you normally like would I say. Like, I mean, I can say something new about Brendan this guy. goes down here. I know. Yeah, I'm saying, it's like Oral Pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, reading... I'm looking out for you, Phil. Well, I'm, thank you. I think. Uh, Kimberly Pierce said she was shocked by that. Um, and what's mm-hmm. interesting is that yeah. they commented as both those things. They took issue with with Lana's orgasm and they took issue with the rape, but they did not take issue with Brendan being shot in the head right. or, or, beaten severely. or beaten severely. So upon or the re-editing, scene where they, they were like able to hold get him up and it's awful. It's, I mean, it's absolutely awful. Those are the scenes <sighs> that the MPA was like, yeah, yeah that's wow. cool. But so she re-edits the film. She gets an R rating. She trimmed some of the rape scene down a little bit, but this is all just a long way of saying yeah. um, that, that that might be the thing that hurts the film maybe the most to me, which is that idea of just Hollywood's desire to, to sort of make issue movies, this idea of like, I'll make this movie because it's, it's saying something and it's an, it, it feels important. I put that in quotation marks. It is important, but that's kind of the thing, the Hollywoodized element of it. And I understand that that's how the movie gets made and that's how the movie gets in theaters and hopefully it opened people's eyes and it seems like it did. And that's all fine and good. I just, you sort of know what I'm getting at, right? Like what I'm sort of this, this fear thing, this kind of, all of those things are kind of folded into this idea that I find a little bit unsettling. Sure. You know, that's one thing that you mentioned actually when we were talking earlier or when we were talking, anyway, (laughs) we talked about how, um, (laughs) What was startling about this film for a lot of people was that you show up and you're in Brandon's life and there's no, it's not a coming of age movie. It's not a movie about Brandon's transition, right? You're just like in Brandon's life for better or worse. There you are. You're going through it with him. You're going through like his real life, right? And actually, I think that's the most important thing about this film in its entirety because nothing has happened like that. That's interesting. Right. You go every you have like America is in its transition where you're all all the cis straight people are like, and even gay people are like, what is this trans thing? Walk us through this story. Hold our hands. Make us feel comfortable. And this movie was like, nope, yeah. we're yeah. gonna do this. So if it they used, throw you in the deep end, right? Yeah. So if it used that sort of issueness as a way, you know, to do that, mm-hmm. and I don't even think it was that, you know, well thought out. I think they just wanted to tell the story, right? Um, because like I said, again, trans stories begin at the highest stakes possible, right? Not, not to and just, then go forward. Not to outright disagree, but I disagree. I think it, I, I think <laughs> it, it feels was, like an outright disagree. I, I think sort it, of disagree. I think, I think it was thought out. Um, I think it, well, no, because they, it notedly starts after the haircut, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first moment you see Brandon is when Brandon is looking at his new self, mm-hmm. So it's the it's it ends where I think the most movies would have I'm sorry it starts, starts. where I think most movies would have ended yeah so yeah I agree. think that yeah like and you don't even it, see you don't even see the haircut it's yeah. like here's your right. new haircut yeah and so. it could have just that couldn't have been a you know maybe he didn't go from long to short maybe that was just a trim yeah and he was just getting it shorter than you know but yeah totally sure right um so. So, yeah, the fact that no one has done that again. Yeah. I mean, well, like if you look at Transamerica, that's another one where, yeah. uh, which came out like a few, 2006, I think, yep. you know, but, it, you know, you are dropped into her life. So it just, again, feels like a process movie. Like there's a journey to it. Whereas this, 
for the tragedy that it is, it tells like one complete story that isn't so much like, yeah, I guess you're on the journey of, of like how everything went down, but it's not a journey of like self-discovery. Right. Right. Which, which trans America is right. It's still a movie of self-discovery, even though she's already trans and she's just like doing this, this one thing. Right. Yeah. It's not an origin story. No, not an origin story, not a journey story. This is like, and these are the films, like this is what I'm hoping to achieve with becoming a man in 127 easy steps. Like all of the, what I want all of trans things to be, what I hope pose will be, you know, I hope that this will be something where you're just in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to be in everybody else's life. Mm-hmm. My, I, I have to code switch like that all the time. Right. 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 So like for you to take a minute to be in my life. Can you, yeah. can you explain that to us a little bit? Um, clearly very ignorant. I understand. <laughs> no, me. I, no, I, no, I, I, just, I understand. I didn't think you were saying. I understand yeah. code switching uh, in terms of race, but I've never considered it. So could you explain what what code switching is for you? Okay. So if, so every movie I see is about a cis person, pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm watching life and I grew up on movies. I was like a, you know, babysat by the television person. Like, and I think that's great actually, because that's what I do now. Uh, But right. Like I see guys falling in love with women that, you know, they go on a certain trajectory. Life happens like this. Or guy goes, one of my favorite movies is The Secret of My Success. Don't ask me why. With Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox, you know, guy trying <laughs> okay. to make it. Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. gets, gets his way into the, the corporate world by hook or by crook. You know what I mean? Like, like this, right? So in my mind, I'm going like, honestly, as a kid, I just thought that would be how it was for me. The code switch now is I go, oh, would that romantic story work for me? Because I'm trans. Like, would that person freak out? Would that person's family freak out? Like, I know that there's a dissonance. You can't just fall in love with people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's through bitter experience. But like, you know, that now I have to go whenever I see a romantic comedy, I can't put myself in it, but I code switch and I do. I go like, let's just pretend I'm not trans and I'm going to be like a straight guy in this movie. How does this work? Mm -hmm. You know, and I have all of the enjoyment of that movie. You know, and then I go back to my life, which is great. Thanks. You know, and, but it's, you know, it's like, I'm not saying, but it, but it is, yeah. it's not, it's not the life being portrayed in every movie that I go to for sure. Or in almost any movie that I go to. Mm. Right. Um, let's talk about the plot a little bit. I'm just, I mean, we'll hit the major points cause I mm-hmm. feel like we've kind of talked about some of it, but I, I, I do think it's worth kind of just coasting through it a little because I do, I think it's, I mean, as we've said, it's a great movie and I kind of want to, I obviously want to do justice to, to that. Uh, we open with the haircut as you, as, as you just mentioned, I think one of the things that hit me immediately was how Kimberly Pierce has set a real sense of place that this town feels incredibly real. Um, none of that stuff rings false right? Um, for good or for bad. I do feel like these people feel very, very real. Um, Brandon goes to a roller rink, meets a girl um it's a roller rink right or yeah yeah, yeah. Roller rink. uh but like like the great scene of monster like the great scene of monster so yeah, many right. great and we had a great scene in dick a lot of roller great roller <laughs> yeah. rink scenes in 99 uh and it's 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 a really great scene and and i guess i just one of the things that really i love that brent is a hopeless romantic mm-hmm. and he quite simply can't control his heart or his feelings that he's just bursting with emotion mm-hmm. is just you immediately like him You immediately just fall in love with this guy Mm -hmm. and you just, you want it so desperately to all work out for him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and 
which again adds to the tension adds to this sort of this you know you're barreling towards a a, a not positive right. conclusion um and and you're just you're immediately sucked in and you immediately you immediately like him um i, I i'm i i want to point out one other thing that yeah my my i don't know how this is going to go over i immediately felt very nervous for him uh-huh right or outside i think it's outside the roller rink mm-hmm. he the the cousin is like don't go in there and mm-hmm. he's like i'm gonna go in there and he puts on a cowboy and he puts up his dukes yep right and immediately i'm like <laughs> so yeah. all right i don't ever think about this because it's not a real thing in real life that i'm ever gonna have to get in a fight but like god forbid one thing leads to another like any one of us could wind up in a fight right he could wind up in a, which he does, of course, but he could wind up in a fight at any moment for almost any reason. And he's so small and he's so outmanned. I'm very nervous immediately. Like he's like, I mean, this, this plays out throughout the movie because they call him little dude mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. He, 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 it's so vulnerable. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous for the first moment of this movie for this character. Now, couldn't agree with you more. But how I'm concerned that I'm being also patronizing. So, is there some of that there too? Like, well, but you're I, an empath. I mean, I've known <laughs> you for like three days, and you're it's like you you have like you wear your heart on your sleeve. Like you know, you care about people. Thank you. You wow. know what I mean? Like, I wish you could like, see Kenny's face. Right now. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like... When, no, I don't think it is. Because when know? Danielle said I was romantic, it made my day. And like, yeah, well, thank sure. you. I appreciate that. What's, but it's, it's, yes, that's... Yeah. What's well, patronizing I, I mean, I, is assuming that our lives are going to be hard because we're trans. Right. That's right? what I'm afraid. But, that, I, no, that but I watching this, someone's yeah. life be hard and having feelings about that is not patronizing. Well, and I would also right. say, too, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but your fear, and I felt the same thing is more of a physical thing. And by that meaning just the, the frame of this person who, yeah, totally. who then goes, I mean, gets into a bar fight with someone much lower. I was like, mm-hmm. you are not going to win this fight. Mm-hmm. It's in that, any way. That's that to me. That's yeah. the, to me, that's the easy, that's the easy, easy yeah. thing to say, which I felt mm-hmm. that's the easy thing to say that I know I'm not going to get in trouble for. No, but the uh, hard thing to say is this person has yeah. lived as a female most of his life, and I know that's not really what I mean, lived as a female, but has been like, as I, yes, you assumed me. to be, right? And it felt like he was getting thrown into the deep end. And that's what scared me. You know, like, it's not as if I grew up fighting my whole life, but I, you know. But he lives in, you know, he lives in rural America in poverty, Right. And the the thing that was like the side I saw in this viewing, too, was like how much drinking, like everything takes place in a bar. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like when you're at Lana's house, everybody they're like, give the yeah, baby a beer, beer, you know, yeah. right? like like every like the level and only recovering through my own story, which is a totally different thing about like living with alcoholics. Right. Like at the time when you're in that, you think that's normal. And when I saw it here, I was like, oh, my God, he's in such trouble. You know, yeah, because yeah. The, they can turn on a dime. Everything is so like, you know, it's and, charged because, I mean, first of all, they're, as you said, most of them are drunk all the time. And, uh, you know, the emotions get can be mm-hmm. very, very short. Not clear thinking. Like, not clear thinking. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it's you immediately feel like 
Brendan's life is in danger. Period. Almost from the <laughs> very, you know I, I mean? yeah, you yeah. do, yeah, and not and I you you know his life is in danger because he's trans. Yes, because there is there are tons of people who would kill him if they found that. Mm-hmm. I'm also worried that his life is in danger because he's a small man yeah. who is not who has not been in those situations mm-hmm. yeah. almost ever, I would imagine. I think that's the idea that I'm really getting at mm-hmm. is he has never been in those situations in a, in a bar with these assholes. Yeah. Uh, and who knows how you're going to handle it? Like, so that's, I think that's, that's kind of what scares me from the, from the jump mm-hmm. in this movie. To speak of those assholes for a moment, cause we do meet them shortly thereafter. We go to the bar. Um, he, he sees, uh, Lana for the first time um, he's smitten. He's mm-hmm. almost immediately in love with her. Um, they have a so terrible karaoke session. So <laughs> is Kimberly Pierce. Like that, yes, 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 yes. That is, she is shot. Yeah. She's shot like she is, you know, Lady Godiva. Yeah, yeah really. As, she, yeah. as yeah. she sort of mumbles her way through Bluest Eyes in Texas. <laughs> which, <laughs> that song. I, I swear to God, the, the uh. most, for me, the most, I, the most I, I, idealized way to introduce Mm-hmm. A romantic character, mm-hmm. the rom- the romantic object in a movie. Yep, singing karaoke. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. They're so I, vo- I mean, so vulnerable. Um, but so, I also yeah. it, it, the whole karaoke thing that kind of comes up a couple times in the film is: <laughs> you think you can do this professionally? Like she says, "I'll just sing karaoke for money," and you and yeah. and you're just like. Oh, I like, did. I did think. But I mean, that was like the most okay. like streetcar name desire moment too for me. Was yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know just like total denial of your situation and anything to get away, like utter escapism. Absolutely. You know. Uh, so so Brendan meets uh, meets Lana and uh, he decides to not take the lift home, which feels like the fork in the road. Now to your mm-hmm. that worry, I was like, you took an Uber instead. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, that feels like the fork in the road. And to Kenny's point earlier, there would always have been, like, his life is always in danger. So had he taken the, the yeah. lift home, you know, but he doesn't. And he gets in the car with, with all of, with, with John and Tom and, and uh, Lana and everybody. Um, and, and, and then... W- Basically, we sort of we see the sequence of him getting ready, you know, what he does every day, which is a very trans. That's a trope. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Watching a trans person get ready. It's It's also a trope, I would say, of a myriad of other sort of uh, the getting ready for the day. I mean, it happens in movies all the time. It's a sequence that you see all the time. But it happens in every trans movie. The trans person has to get changed in front of you. And what it is, is like this. It. It's generally a kind of showing the art, quote unquote, massive air quotes, uh, artifice. Sure, sure. Right. Of being trans. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. It, it, it. it was surprisingly kind of neutral. It didn't feel like it was taking a stance necessarily. But to your point, by existing, just, merely existing, is yeah. it's, taking, it's, it's saying something, which is, which is fair. And I don't know that people, people want to, it's like, how do you tell the story of being trans, right? Yeah. And, and, but this is where tropes get in and this is where, you, when, when you start to critique it, right? Like yeah. you can't, I, I never, when I critique something, I never ascribe intent. I just say, this, yeah. this is like something that it is a trope. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying Hillary, uh, that Kimberly Pierce meant it. 
Right. Just saying it is just that it, that it is. Yeah. There is a, there's a, um, there's a, a scene shortly thereafter that I love. Um, it's the scene where Lana's mom asks Brandon to come into the light so she can take a, get a good look at him. Mm-hmm. And you're terrified that she's going to figure it out, that the mom's going to figure it out. But it's also like a really beautiful moment where, where Lana's mom is just embracing how beautiful and how, how sort of an attractive a person Brandon is uh, and, and having him come into the light. I, I just, it, it might be my favorite, one of my favorite moments in the movie mm-hmm. because it's just not, I don't think it's played for the scare. I actually think it's played for the for the humanity and the beauty of the scene, mm-hmm. but that it also has that tension in it. That undercurrent, it, it, yeah. It just it makes that scene just I don't know, just really special mm-hmm. and really interesting. And also, um, how you can't tell if Brandon is scared that she's going to figure out what his secret is, or that he has no emotional like that someone is reaching out to him in that moment and he doesn't know how to process it. So it's it's. There's just a lot in yeah. that in that scene that's just really exemplary of of how this this movie is really special. There was this moment, and I mean, it's Hillary Swank, right? Like, yeah, like so he kind of pulls like he kind of pulls away, and he does this thing with yeah. his eyes that's yeah. so subtle. I know, and you're just like, yes, I get that completely. Yeah. That to me is a microcosm of the mm-hmm. movie, and it just sort of it's everything that I think this movie is trying to say in that in that moment. Um, what is the uh, dynamic? Of this group of people? Oh, That's man. A good question. Okay, so what are the, like, okay, so what I understood, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. So John Lauder and Tom Nissen are prison buddies, and they're mm-hmm. buddies from town, too. Like, they went to jail together for some reason mm-hmm. that had to do with, like, Nissen burning something down. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> setting, like, his house on fire or something yeah. normal like that. Um, then, uh, so they just got out, and while they were in prison, Lana wrote Lauder right. letters. She which, was like eight or nine or something like that when she wrote them, right? She was quite really young. young. Yeah, okay. But he's like in love with her. But then there's also this weird like sexual thing with the mom too. Mm-hmm. But the mom has taken them in. Like their families don't care about them. And she's like, you can, you know, you're here at our house. You can be yeah. at our house kind of thing. So he call, like everybody calls the mom, mom. It's uh, weird. It's yeah, weird. but then when they're like, they start playing "Who's That Lady" and they start dancing together, and then it he's like kissing her like, neck and stuff. Yeah, it, like I, like, it seemed like he's he had sex. It seems like he's sleeping with the mom. Yeah, and he probably but has also slept with Lana. We don't know if he has or if he just has it for Lana. And then was this interesting triangle weird. that I saw in the movie this time too that I didn't see before. Yeah. Is that like Lauder has it for Lana? Yeah, um, Lana doesn't have it for Lauder. She has it for and so there for Brandon. Yeah. Uh, and so there's this whole like extra like it's not just that Lauder. It's not just a jealousy. transphobic yeah. crime. It's also jealousy. Crime but who knows if that's yeah. like super real according to like what really happened. But that's something that comes up in the movie. There's also um, a very interesting sort of weird kind of later in the film in the in the, the before the murder happens when. Lauder gets in into Brandon's space and they have this the reveal that one or before that shortly before he kills okay. him, he pushes him up against the wall and Brandon sort of is sort of saying like, I get it, man. Like I know it's, I fucked up and it's me and I, I and, yeah. but there's an intimacy to their relationship now. I mean, post rape, mm-hmm. but also just 
like I just don't think that Lauder understands how he feels about Brandon. I I just think that he's just just completely yeah. I I don't even know what the right word is, but that sort of adds to all of he this dynamic as well. He definitely hates Brandon. <laughs> and there's and, this... and kind of like weirdly feels a pull towards him as well. I feel like yeah. I, I, you know what I, and I it's... think, sorry. Yeah. Can you go ahead? No, I'm just, I, I, I want to understand this a little better because I don't think anybody ever really dives into this thing. Mm-hmm. Why? When straight people murder gay people or murder trans people, does there also often seem to be the rape component i don't really power power you know i mean in the case of when trans people are raped it's usually a way of sort of saying like i'm going to teach you how to be a real whatever right like in brandon's case it would you know that it's sort of like here's a way that i can send you the message loud and clear that is also i mean rape is always about power Mm -hmm. right um so yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to well, figure out what the no it happens all the time it does and, yeah. pe- and people just i don't know i don't think people really dive into what's happening there because i do think a lot of the time the a lot of the time will get described and i talked yeah. about this in the in the american beauty episode mm-hmm. is oh they were closeted right mm-hmm. oh that's that's what it really was they were they were closeted or they were working out their feelings of latent homosexuality and that's, this is the way it came out. And I don't think it's, I think you're, you're telling me, I don't think it's that. I, I do think it is this weird power, but also defiling, yeah. you know, humiliation, mm-hmm. um, giving them yeah. something that they can never forget. Yeah. So that kind Scarring of. Scarring them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll show you, you're not really a man. Yeah. Let me show you that loud and clear, yeah. you know. Um, um, I'm going to pivot from this. Sure. To the, I, I want to talk about the the love scenes between Brandon and, and Lana. Um, there's 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 three that I kind of want to highlight. The first is I love how nonchalant their first kiss is. I love that it's that that he kisses her and then continues his sentence as though it it is it is so charming and so sweet and kind of just this this thing it happened and he sees the moment and. Then he just keeps talking in his sentence. Um, and then they kissed, obviously, some more. But it, it, it is just very sort of, um, it, it, it felt very innocent, you know? And, and that sort of breaks the clouds of what's going on in this movie in a lot of ways. Most of their love scenes do just that, of, really sh- of, of giving you sort of a, a breath of just something really lovely and something really genuine between these two people. And just one more point on that. A nice thing they did was have him kiss the first girl, the one yeah. who met at the yeah, roller yeah, yeah, yeah. ring. So you didn't feel like yes. you were experiencing a first. You could actually feel the feelings you're talking about. Absolutely. Of just, yeah, this is genuine point. attraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, so then they, they, they have their first sex scene, um, which I think is handled really beautifully. Not just in terms of that's the one in the field. That's the one in the field where it's, first of all, it's photographed very beautifully. beautifully yeah. And it is, it is handled very delicately. Um, it's very sweet. It's very genuine. Um, and it, there is a tinge, unfortunately, of that secret that 
mm-hmm. hangs in it. So there's a tension that exists there. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where she looks down his shirt. Mm-hmm. It's a flash, but you're, but it stays with you. Right. You see the bandage and yes. uh, like a suggestion of cleavage. A suggestion of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's hard to tell when, how, how Lana leaves that scene of how much knowledge she has of what's really going on. Well, she then has a mind-blowing orgasm, which apparently needed an <laughs> NC-17 rating. So I think she just forgot. Which apparently just makes everything <laughs> well, go away. Like, Remember, the way this, this is presented is mostly, from Lana's point of view, yep. in bed, telling mm-hmm. her friends about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's cross-cut, that's right. It's cross-cut yeah, 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 yeah. between the next day, I guess, or later that night or whatever, and the moment. Yep. So what she's saying is not necessarily representative of what, what's in her head. And it's, yeah. it's kind of an interesting way to put it. And then it's she also, says, yes, too, she says, and then we got up and we went skinny dipping yeah. in the lake, right? Yeah. So this is, again, like Lana's, like, fantasy, fantasy world, yeah. you know? Which, when you think about that in the transgender-ish, like, part of it, makes you go like, oh, right. This yeah. is why people got confused. I, I, <laughs> there's, there's I thought she was protecting Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was... I I got that impression as well. I I would also say, too, that the only other instance I can think of of cross-cutting in the film is the cross-cutting of the police interrogation with the rape. Right. Which I think is also interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it it adds a... Again, it adds a tension, but it adds a a drive to the scenes, and it it fractures the narrative. Right. So it kind of breaks you out of the straight line that the movie Mm -hmm. could conceivably have felt. But also it's like this circular uh, piecing together of people's perceptions and what is the truth that happens in both scenes. Sure. Too. I, I, I absolutely. I, I think that it, it does sort of play with the notion of truth a little bit in this movie, too, of, of what, you know, is, is Lana being honest with herself? Um, she's not being honest with her friends. Is, and what is she sort of grappling with? And same, obviously, with Brandon. But also, like, what is honesty? Right. Right. So for Brandon to say, like, I'm a guy. That is honesty. Yeah. But if you're going to say, well, okay, he's a guy who was, you know, born in a girl's body. Yeah. Right. Like that's facts. Yeah. But for Brendan to say, or, or, and even for Brendan to say, you know, I'm a guy, that's still honesty. Yeah. Uh, at the same level for, for her to say, you know, all these things about him and how she like felt all these things. I've seen him in the flesh, all these, all mm-hmm. these things. Right. That's actually still honesty in a, no, for in a sure, way that sure. I think is I, in this black and white, you know, and this is the thing, like, this is what you have to have for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think what you have to have in order to be able to get down with the trans thing in general in life. Yeah. Right. Is like. There is truth that defies fact. Yeah. It is a bigger truth. Right. And things are gray. Right. Things are perceptual things are like it is like it is entirely possible to have sex and feel like you have had sex with a penis if you don't have a penis like let me tell you that that's like probably the most intimate (laughs) thing i will ever say (laughs) but like that's uh, real right but that's a real truth and i'm not i'm not like deluded yeah you know what i mean it's an it's an energetic thing it's all these things and i saw what i love the most about this movie it does come back to the film Mm -hmm. i watched that happen right right there were things that happened that were so true to my experience as a trans person that like I only grew awareness of after I watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. And watching it again, I was like, Oh my God, like the, how did they get that? Yeah. With nobody, as far as we know, trans 
around this ask, film. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Hillary, okay, she lived as a man for, well, what Whatever the hell does that, that mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. there was, I mean, I, I don't know, but they did it, and it was great. Um, there are two uh, last things that I wanted to talk about. Um, the first is uh, the final love scene between uh, Brandon and Lana. Lana. Uh, and the the beauty of that scene of Lana taking off her shirt, his shirt and just sort of all of it is just done in a, in a really like, the, I, I mean, I guess I, and I don't know how, how you feel about this, but it really feels like the first time they make love. Okay. So I'm going to trouble this for you. Okay. That's what I was. Ex- <laughs> I'm, uh, yes. Okay. Do you guys not go ahead? No, no, no. I don't have something to say. I, I, I apologize I, if I stepped in. Something no, I don't, no, 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 I don't no, no, no. say, but I, 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 I felt the other way. Interesting. Right? Like that, that felt, look, it was beautiful in its own way. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't mean that, I don't mean to say it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was beautiful, but it felt like they were feminizing Brandon I, in a way that I see that in a way that kind of made me upset for him. You know, that, that like also infantilizing him. And like, that's like, that's just another thing that's less problematic, but it just felt like, just, I, I think what you're, so it felt a little Hollywood. Well, no, I mean, I know exactly what I, what, what I, what I'm thinking and I'm just struggling to say it. Okay. They were presenting it as if the only way Brandon would really have sex is if he embraced his female oh. body okay. that's, and had that's, sex that's as a woman, which is what I think they were getting at. So I love that you saw that and uh, like, that's, that's really meaningful actually. Right. Um, I, again, I'm not going to ascribe intent to it because if I did, I'd just be really mad. Um, what is true from a trans, from my trans perspective, and it is important to say this is mine uh, in that last sex scene is okay. So much has turned, right? Like, like that one moment where they're like holding him up in the bathroom and, and playing with his genitals and like, and he looks, he has a like split moment where he looks in the hallway and he sees himself in this spotlight. That's one of the most trans iconic, like trans moments in film, this split self, this, um, disembodiment, right. Of like, I know this is happening for real in one place. And it goes back to that like truth situation, right? Like, like I know this is happening for real, but the reality is out there, you know, and Brandon is standing there looking at him just like, this is the real me that's away from all of this. Right. And I think a lot of like sexual abuse survivors will talk about this too, but I do think it's a real like trans thing. And it was one of the first like really trans scenes that I had seen. But then when you go to that last sex scene, when she starts with, you're so pretty, right? And then she's like, I want to touch you the way you touch me, right? There have been so many reversals. His world has just gone from like all my best friends and this girl that I love to my best friends just raped me and my girlfriend, you know, and my girlfriend is calling me pretty, right? Like, like his world has become like a total nightmare. And yet, you know, I'm here as a, as a trans person, I will stop people and say, no, here's how you say it. No, here's even in sex. Like I'll say, this is what you call it. And this is how you touch it. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this is, I'm comfortable making those things because I've, 
it's just, it, you learn these things, right? And I know from experience too that when you're in this situation, when someone's misgendering you, when someone's misgendering you, even during sex, and you are completely out of your body in it, you will just be in that moment and you can have a really beautiful moment. You can still be like madly in love, making love and be utterly out of your body because they are utterly insulting you and not seeing you more than anything, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, how can you make love without being seen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right? But sure. that's the transness of this right. movie. Right. That's something that's so, again, it's like, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> you know? like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it is a, it is, I mean, truthfully, we could unpack this movie for five hours. Oh yeah. I know. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I wish we could, but we can, <laughs> but I do think that, uh, there are just scenes to your point. There are moments in this movie that are so powerful and, and resonate so much that, I, I have a tough time actually articulating how 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 they make me feel. God, it kind of you know drives I mean? me a little yeah. nuts that because I, I I find I myself like struggling. Well, I just yeah. feel like we we yeah. we just really could keep going and going and yeah. going, and maybe we should. Maybe you know, we should do maybe, another episode about it. Um, no, for real. Like there, right. like like there is a lot to keep talking about. No. Or you know, you also don't just have to do the most obvious trans movie. You can go back for something <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, sure. we, we, it goes without saying that we'd love to have you back on to Thanks talk so about whatever movie you want to talk about. Um, and you know, it, I think that not, not to sort of wrap this up too quickly, but there is a part of me that feels like, I mean, we can do zero to 99, but I think we all love this movie. And I think we all know that this movie was incredibly powerful. I'm willing to do it. If uh, you I want think, to do it. Oh, I think we should. Okay. Because I think we did. All right. So you know, again, behind the curtain, I think we did, mostly accomplish our goal i agree which was we wanted it we wanted to present this movie on one hand as any other movie yeah. and on the other hand as a movie that had significant cultural re- cultural relevance and mm-hmm. resonance mm-hmm. but it's still a movie it's still a piece of art yep. and we still do zero to 99 on this show <laughs> before we do i just want to okay. say Thank you for having me on this. Thank oh, you. I, you know, please. I came in, you, you've done the work and that's why I was willing to be really open with you both about, and because I want to give you as much as this film gives too, right? And as much as you've given to this film. But the most important thing about what you did in this whole thing, there's this phrase, it, it, nothing about us without us, mm-hmm. right? And that was like the number one right thing you did by reaching out and saying like, can we actually have somebody who has this identity come in here and talk about that? So thank you. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed this and I'm so happy digging into the whole podcast. Who knew that you could do? I mean, I I don't want to speak for Kenny, but I certainly can say that I feel honored that you were on here, that you were willing to open up the way that you were and to to have these, have a very real conversation about a, you know, about incredibly emotionally potent and powerful, important things and, and, Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I mean, I'll start with my zero to 99. I mean, I, I truthfully, I saw it in 99. I was blown away by it then as well. Um, I, I don't, I, I'd be lying if I said that I felt the way I felt watching it t- today. I mean, I don't think I, I think like, unfortunately, a lot of people didn't really know much about the trans movement. So uh, I'd say back in, in 99, I probably would have given it a, 88 or 89 i mean i was very impressed by it it really took me by surprise i didn't really know how to process it i was 19 years old it is what it is watching it the other day i mean it was i you know i was like shaking it was just a a very 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 Mm -hmm. exhausting experience for me Mm -hmm. um and incredibly powerful i mean i i I, 
I'd probably give it a 95 or a 96. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't see, I mean, I, I deduct a couple points for some of the things that we were talking about, but like, truthfully, I think it's a, a near perfect movie. I think it's a beautifully made film. I'm almost literally where you are. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I mean, I, I know what I had before in 99. I said an 85. Yeah. don't really know why. I think I was probably just a little too immature to grasp everything, but um. Even then, I considered myself to be a pretty progressive person. Sure. So I, I, I dove in, and I think I embraced this, but I don't think I got everything. Mm-hmm. 96 was my number, basically your yeah. number. Um, no real reason why it's not higher, yeah. but it, it's not a movie I'm probably going to watch again anytime soon, and I think that's the only <laughs> thing stopping it. I think that's the only thing keeping it yeah, from, really? you know, that like uh, yeah. any higher. But it's about as good a movie as I can imagine never wanting to watch again. Yeah. <laughs> it's got I mean, it, I, I, I fully yeah. agree. I think yeah. like what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I, at the time, I love this rubric. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> at the time I gave it an, I would give it a 99. Uh, but I think mostly that's because I was utterly overwhelmed and overpowered by it. Um, and I think that speaks to it. However, now with all of the many things and, and I've, you know, we've talked about a lot of them and then there are even more that we didn't get to. Um, I think depending on how critical I'm feeling in a particular day, I might say anywhere between 92 and a 95, you know, but I I would go toward, toward higher. And then what comes off is just that it's not as intense anymore. And I do know a little bit more about it, but damn, is it a good film? Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that I keep coming back to, um, and then we'll talk about what we're doing next week. I want to ask you one question though. Okay, go ahead. Do you think it would make your? Do you think it's going to make your top ten for the year? Mm. At the I, at the end, because it made neither of us, neither of our top ten, didn't make either of our top ten before we started the podcast. I don't. I I honestly don't know the answer. Big to that. year. It's a very big year, and it's also. Um, it was such a powerful experience, and this might sound hokey, but like it almost transcends the idea. Of, to your point of like, can I do this again? Like, is this? Is this? It's you like know, I. I I, yeah, I, you know, to some extent, I always thought an Oscar was not the appropriate reward for sure. Schindler's List. Yeah. Like, it just felt like, an, like, yeah. who cares? Like, yeah. look what you did. You know, like, yeah. you don't need it. Like, Braveheart, great. Yeah. That's a nice award for a movie like that. But, yeah. and it feels like, but, but again, it's a movie, and I do want to not treat it any differently. Just like, yeah. you know, so I, I would... I expect it to make my top 10. We'll see what happens. I mean, but, I, I would expect yeah. it to certainly make probably my top 15. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely going to be a movie that I, when I, when we recompile at the end of this, you know, it's, it's going to be something that I've you could say reevaluated yeah. and has changed how I, how I perceived it before. But all right, what's next? Uh, totally. we, next week we're going to do anywhere, but here. Okay. With, uh, Rochelle Lefebvre, mm-hmm. uh, who, um, is, uh, an actress. She was on um, Under the Dome. She was one of the leads on that. She was on a show called Off the Map. Um, she is Canadian, so yes. you know, we're going to get to talk about that again. Kenny's favorite thing. I love Canada. Uh, you, by and, the end of this podcast, you that, are really going to love and Canada. And as of yesterday, Phil knows why, but we'll leave that between oh, us. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but um, again, I can't, I honestly can't thank you enough for coming on. We can't wait to have you come back thank and, you. and, just do a deep dive into, you know, a comedy, maybe. Yeah, I want any, to take a look uh, at the list. I think there's a lot. Yeah. Any social media you want to... Uh... Are, you're on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I'm all over the social medias at Turner Schofield. Okay. Schofield like the barracks, like prison break. 
Yes, uh, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm at PM Iskov on Twitter. I'm at PM Iskov on Instagram as well. We have a Twitter feed for our show called Podcast. It is at Podcast Like 1999. Kenny is Nybart on Twitter. Um, we will tweet all about this when uh, when we Can't put wait. it up. Can't and wait. Uh, thank, thank you, you so again. much. Thank you guys. So fantastic. <laughs> up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.